that every sense in my body says the finger is hurting, and if the finger is hurting, the finger is hurting. I always wonder what it would be if you come down to your last sermon, what you would preach. And uh, don't worry, I'm not at my last sermon, so don't, don't. But we know we only have two more sermons to preach, as far as we know now, and we don't know when we'll be back behind the pulpit. So we need to be thinking about it because it could be uh, an extended period of time over a few weeks and could be go into a month or two. So we need to pray about what we're going to do about services. Uh, we've got a couple of young brothers coming in for one service or two. I would recommend that basically uh, we listen to one of Brother Branham's tapes for a Sunday morning service every now and then to fill in the space. But uh, that would be up to the people. Uh, my worry is that people will not want to hear who we bring in, so you'll get in a habit of staying out of church. So this is only not only a test for me, it's a test for you. And because, remember, there is no man indispensable. A man is only useful when he's used by the Holy Ghost. And if you're not anointed, well, then you're just wasting your time. Anybody can stand up here and talk to you. So we need to be in prayer about that, but basically uh, we're already making preparations for the surgery, uh, and which they got me off of all vitamins and everything else except eating and drinking water, and so you feel like you're totally exhausted all the time. But by the strength of the Lord, we'll get through this sermon, and we'll get through one more. So just be praying about what you would like to do, but I pray that the assembly will hold itself together. Uh, by a revelation in this hour for just a little while longer because we're coming down to a close. There will be a time to where we will not be able to assemble together and you will be on your own with you and God. So that's just the way that it is. Well, praise the Lord. We have Canada welcome this morning. Let's make them welcome once again. Amen. So they probably told everybody they're going to be live streaming, so everybody showed up this morning that we can see them. And we welcome them into the assembly. It's been a long time. It's looked like they got older. <laughs> Some of them is getting older. Back there. I can see already see. But uh, we got the new equipment coming in. They're already billing me for more money, and they hadn't done anything yet. So they're always wanting more money before they even put in a camera. But I think they said uh, maybe one more week they'll install, start installing the cameras so we can live stream and start on the new process. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, we need your prayer, request your prayers, because, you know, God is a miracle worker. I know my wife is praying that I don't have to go through the operation, and basically the only way that can happen is a total miracle, because uh, I know I'm progressing towards a wheelchair this way, and the only thing I can go the other way is towards a wheelchair, so the outcome can only be what it is, but we're believing that God will remove that obstruction, and you'll be able to get back up on your feet. Amen. So we'll be praying for us at this time. Uh, we welcome the visitors. The young lady this morning, uh, Sam, I'm at, not uh, Ben. Ben. So I know this one's shaking his head. Ben back here. What's, what's your friend's name now? Amanda. Amanda, thank you for coming this morning. Amen. Let's make her welcome now. <laughs> Glory to God. The fluorescent lighting, I can't hardly see too far back in the back because of the lighting, but... I say it's a lighting. It could be age. I don't know. but <laughs> We don't mean to be a little lighthearted this morning, but we're looking at a unique subject, and we're calling it Faith in the Presence of God, and this is number eight. 
So we teach and then we repeat and we teach and we repeat and we teach and repeat until basically we're looking for the life that's in the unique scriptures coming forth and manifesting itself in our flesh. The Bible is hard to understand until you understand. And then basically once you catch the picture of how God does things, then it opens up into a drama. I'd like to go to Genesis 18 this morning. It's a long scriptural reading, but it has to deal with the subject. It has to deal with our thought this morning because we're going to look, and I titled it, The Last Sign. The presence of God, and we're looking at the last sign shown to the Gentiles. And we have seen our last sign. Now, keep that in mind that we're looking at it a unique way because a sign has a voice, and a voice is a message. People say, Oh, you're saying there can't be any signs and wonders. Signs and wonders are according to your faith. You heal by faith, save by faith, and according to your faith, so it be into it. But there is a message to this age. And there was a sign that had a voice. So you've got to recognize the sign to hear the voice. If you don't recognize the sign, you won't hear the voice. And the Bible tells us if we miss the voice, if we miss the sign, we'll miss the voice. If we miss the voice, the only thing left for us and now in this hour is judgment. Okay? So let's look at a picture of it. Now, this is not the doctrinal background of our doctrine of the presence. Brother Bram used these scriptures as basically a type and a shadow showing you by illustration of Alpha and Omega what God has done, and therefore we see Him repeating the same thing today. We teach the doctrine of the perusal or the presence of God, and if we cannot find that teaching in the Old Testament, then basically we find out that it cannot be a New Testament doctrine. Because if Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, day, and forever, you've got to see Him do something in the Alpha, and He will repeat it in the Omega. So once we see a type in the Old Testament, and especially we're going to look at prophecy, that prophecy must be fulfilled, and every word will be fulfilled, the Word of God, before judgment strikes, the second coming of Jesus, and walking out in the kingdom of God. So we're arriving at all the natural conditions for the rapture is in the land now. Every, everything that you can say as an end time sign is manifested in the world somewhere today. Destructions, earthquakes, wars, famines, this and that, whatever more, it's all around the world. America is going through her chaos, trying to move what everybody is trying to get out of. Cuba and all these countries are trying to come to America to get away from communism. America is trying to go to communism and whatever more. So we see this chaos, and it is a sign to us. But not only is there a sign in the natural, there has to be a spiritual sign to the elect. Because remember, we are Abraham's seed, and we're set out separated from what we call the world or the Gentile unbelieving world, and God promised us a message before he destroys the rest of the people. All right, so keep that in mind. I'm going to read Genesis 18. And this chapter is telling us exactly what is going on and has transpired to us in this generation now. In Genesis 18, it said, And the Lord appeared. Now, most people do not understand the appearing of the Lord. We teach the appearing, and that he has appeared in flesh in this generation. The Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Maber. This is Abraham. 
And he sat in the tent in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself towards the ground and said, My Lord. Now he addressed these three men as one. He addressed one of them as Lord. My Lord, if, thou, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Now keep in mind when we're talking until we get to our text, we're bringing this thought back to last week's teaching where Jesus basically separated the prophecy of the acceptable day of the Lord and then the day of vengeance of our God. Okay, so that same separation, that same story is going on now, and we need to see what is transpiring. And he said, If I have found favor uh, in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. I will fetch a morsel of bread, and comfort ye your hearts. After that you shall pass on, for therefore are you come to your servant. And they said, So do as thou hast said. And Abraham hastened unto the tent, into the tent unto Sarah, and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes upon the earth. And Abraham ran unto the herd, and fetched a calf tender and good, and gave it unto a young man, and he hastened to dress it. And he took butter and milk, and the calf which he had dressed, and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. Now, if you understand, he understands that these three men are actually God and two angels in a theophonic form as men. They're not just men walking along. One of them is absolutely God Himself manifesting in a human form. All right? He's eating and drinking milk. And they said unto Him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And He said, Behold, in the tent. Now it starts out, now how did these men know Sarah? his wife, or Sarah being his wife, if he had never seen them before. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. This angel had actually had his back toward the tent. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. In other words, she's past menopause, she cannot conceive. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I find pleasure, my Lord being old also. And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return to thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Now, our promise is this, at an appointed time, right before destruction hits America, we have an appointment with the Creator Himself that is promised to change our bodies and take us out of judgment into the marriage supper of the Lamb. Okay, we have a promise now. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. And the men rose up from thence and looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? In other words, you're seeing the presence of God there in the form of a man, 
Abraham being the elect and the group that is set aside, God said, I'm here as judge and I'm going to destroy Sodom, which is the Gentile world at that time. And I will not hide it from the elected seed, but I'm going to reveal to Abraham what I'm going to do. So therefore, as far as the presence of God is concerned, He is here to the Gentiles. And He's here to reveal to an elected group of people what He's going to do before He burns the earth over with fire. Amen. So He said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord, watch to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. Now keep your mind there, Abraham's seed, and the promise of this hour. Watch. The Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is come unto me, and if not, I will know. Brother Bram said, now that's the reason why you're seeing these, what they call flying saucers, unidentified flying objects. They are investigating angels to check and see if the condition of America and the world fits the condition for the judgment. We know this is type, Brother Bram typed this angel to Billy Graham and Oral Roberts, one to the fundamental, one to the Pentecostal, and one out here to the elect of seed of Abraham, which gave Abraham a revelation that none of the rest of them had, that he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah by fire. This is a picture of what is going on now. We are in this setting. And we find that he said, And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. Now you notice this elected seed is standing here in the presence of God in the form of a man interceding to God for the righteous that was in Sodom. So here was a seed that had a revelation of the perusia or the presence of God. They recognized their sign that God was manifest in the flesh. They had seen their last sign before destruction, and that was the discerning of the thoughts of the heart. And this seed, Abraham, once he received the revelation, he interceded for those in the church world we call foolish virgin of the world, families and whatever more, to see if God would destroy the righteous with the wicked. And we see there he started going down, uh, basically, and, he, and Abraham, verse 23, and Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou destroy the righteous with the wicked? Now, we're looking at the day of vengeance of our God, and the question is, is He going to destroy the righteous with the wicked? And the answer is no. So, when we talk about the judgment of God, the day of vengeance, there's an elected people that should have a revelation because they heard the voice of a sign, and that voice revealed to them their election, their destiny, and that he was going to destroy the world, but he was going to deliver them at an appointed time. All right. Then we go through the 50, the 40, the 30, the 20, whatever more. In verse 25 it says, That be far from thee to do after this matter, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from thee. And we'll notice now, he addressed this one in human flesh, which was God. Amy will agree with that. God manifested in human flesh. 
Abraham, this seed after the revelation of who was there and what he was there for, he said, addressed him as the wicked. He watched, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? So he addressed the role of this one who manifested himself in human flesh as the judge because the judge had already revealed to him he was going to destroy Sodom. And is with the story now. All right. I put in your notes, we notice that a judgment was revealed to Abraham, which was the very elect. They had a revelation of the presence of God. And they had a revelation that Lot or the church, the foolish virgin, did not have. The church fundamental in Sodom condition did not have a revelation of that. But we also find out that they revealed to Abraham that judgment was not going to be upon Abraham. See, he also revealed that he was going to destroy Sodom, but he had already had Abraham set out here by a revelation of the presence of God. Let's call it that old word, the perusia. He understood the presence of God. And by that revelation, he knew that they were not going to be destroyed. You and I should understand sitting here this morning that hearing the voice of the sign, which is Malachi 4, that you are not going to be destroyed with the wicked. And if that doesn't make you Pentecostal, nothing will. And if you don't want to dis uh, miss the destruction of Sodom by fire, then the day of grace and mercy is still open, and you better come and hear the voice of the sign, or you'll go under the judgments of God. All right. Those outside of Sodom, they were basically, had now become intercessors. In other words, the bride here takes on a role. When she receives a revelation of who she is and what she is, now are we the sons and daughters of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we're in the hour now that we're coming to the perfection of who we are. And we are a portion of the Word of God manifested in flesh. That Scripture revealed in flesh to us gives us the confidence in God's promise to become intercessors. How many of you is praying for your children? Amen. How many is praying for people and friends outside of the church? Amen. See, you become intercessors. Why? Because you have a revelation of what God is going to destroy. All right. We see Abraham interceding for the righteous in Sodom, and we find that they could not find ten. That's not very many, saying there was four billion people on earth at that time, and all of them, four, three hundred million, so on, were down to six people is all they found in the days of Noah. Here they only found three in Sodom. I always wondered if Lot, uh, if Abraham had went all the way down to two or to one, would God have destroyed Sodom? But he stopped at ten, and God said, for ten's sake, I won't destroy them. So the number of the righteous are very thin. And when you read the Scripture and follow the, the order of the Word, you'll find out there's only a few that has been called out that recognize a sign 
And not only did they recognize a sign, but they had the ability to hear a voice. Remember, a sign without a voice does you no good at all. Now, we're not talking about casting out devils, healing the sick, and God uh, saving people. We're not talking about that. We're talking about when a man shows you a sign that only God can do, and a voice does not follow it. It's not from God. When you see a sign, men casting out devils, doing miracles, and saying God's with them, if they stay in the same thought of church, doctrine, whatever more, they are not the voice of God. He said, now watch. So we notice how Abraham addressed this one. As the judge of all the earth do right. Now, if this same one, the same Jesus, Jehovah God, is here today in the same form of the Holy Ghost, performing the same role that he did then, then he would have to be here in the role of the judge. Because we see that there has to be a judge that brings a warning before judgment. God will not judge and destroy the world until He puts the world on trial, and they are absolutely judged or discern righteous from wickedness, and separation goes on. God will not destroy the righteous with the wicked. Are you following me now? So when the judgment comes at the end of the 1260 days of the tribulation period, there will be no righteous on earth. There will only be serpent seed and those that are called church by name but there will be none of God's children or seed on earth at that time of judgment so we see that Elohim Jehovah God we call him Jesus but Jesus is simply Jehovah Savior so when we talk about the message of this hour that Jesus is here we're not talking about the man that was given the name Jesus at his birth that he became a prophet when the Spirit of God came upon him in the office of a prophet, left him in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he went for a little short period of time of 72 hours. He was the Lamb of God that died for our sins, and for just a short period of time he was a lamb. In less than 72 hours he changed role and become a high priest. So the Lamb portion of God, everybody said, oh, the Lamb, the Lamb. The Lamb was only about 72 hours when he died, but God raised him up. That role was finished once and for all. So if that sacrifice paid for sin, it paid for every sin of every seed of Abraham that was ever born or ever will be born. So we see that Elohim, which is absolutely God in spirit form, was showing Abraham his last sign before the destruction of what we call the world. But in here is a type of Sodom. And that was discerning of the hearts of Sarah in the tent behind him. Now, we've seen, if you watch the films, Brother Branham on tape thousands of the time, he said, I'll turn my back to the congregation and turn his back and told you what your name was, who was there, what disease they had, what they'd done last week, and what they were going to do. The same sign, the same God was there doing the discernment. Now, remember, Brother Branham could not discern nothing. Brother Branham could not heal anybody. Brother Branham was not the prophet per se. The Spirit of God is the prophet. He is the Word, and he is his own messenger. So when you see a man do anything that it takes God to do, it is not the man doing it. 
We give all the credit to the male. Brother Branham, done Brother Branham didn't do one of those things. It was the Spirit of God here doing the works. All right. The invisible one is what you have to see. And we'll look at it how hard it is in a few minutes. So we see that Abraham addressed this one that gave him the sign of discernment. He addressed him as the supreme judge of the whole earth. And he was the one that would fulfill the promise to Abraham, and that was to bring forth a son even after it was impossible in the natural for them to produce a son. He was going to do a supernatural thing in their bodies to bring the promise to pass. Now remember, our promise is not to have a child in our old age. Our promise is immortal life without dying. We are here, and we have recognized our sign. God Himself has appeared in this generation in human flesh. We know that He has pronounced judgment. So God is here as the judge. He's here to fulfill the day of vengeance of our God. But that day of vengeance has nothing to do as far as destruction to the righteous. The day of vengeance to the righteous means... I'm not only going to show you grace, which that's what brought you here by election. I'm going to also show you mercy. In other words, I'm not going to let you fail. Come on, talk to me this morning. You say, oh, Brother Greg, you don't know how bad I am, what I do. I don't care what you are, what you have done. God is here, and, it, and it's impossible to sin a sin that He cannot take care of. Hey, me follow me this morning. God is here to look over our stupidity and our ignorance. He's here to look over our transgressions. His mercy in our light will never be quenched. You cannot exhaust His grace, and His mercy is past finding out. So we thank God that He said He'd come down in mercy and grace. So the only mercy and grace today is in the voice of the sign that we call the message of the hour. God Himself is here as His own messenger. So what must I do to be saved? Receive the sign for your hour. Amen. Here we got a quote I like to read here in uh, Spiritual Amnesia. Brother Bam said, I want to ask you something. What if he does come tonight? Now, is the question, what if he, Jesus, physically comes? Or if the Jesus that Brother Ram talks about, Hebrews 13, 8, will come. He had always said, I don't know whether he'll come or not. But since he's Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and forever, we believe that he will come. And he'll say, he's here. You did not see a physical man. You saw the very one, the very God prophet, the same anointing, the same pillar of fire, the same Holy Ghost. That basically, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. We're looking at one God all the way through Scripture, changing His role, changing His role, changing His role. And what we see is that He had a prophetic ministry through all the prophets. That's God in the prophets, God in the prophets, God in the, then God in His Son. Now we're promised God in His prophet again to the Gentile to finish up the book. So what we're declaring is that God Himself is here. And it was prophesied in the Scriptures. So therefore, if we believe the written Word of God, 
our minds should be able to stop and comprehend that God is the Word. And if He said in His Word He would be here, and He was going to do thus and thus and thus, then we should have confidence that He's able to keep His Word. And when we recognize the sign that He gives us, then we know the voice is of God. Amen. He said, all say, well, He isn't coming. You know, most of the Christian world today, they say we're looking for a rapture, but it's seven years down the road. We're looking for the second coming of Jesus, but we don't know when He's going to show up. Why don't we know when He's going to show up? Jesus gave us instructions and told us exactly what the signs was, exactly what was going to happen in this hour. And the Bible of the whole New Testament is about one thing. There's a seed of Abraham elected in this hour, which is very remnant of the seed. They will have the same ability as Abraham had. They will be able to recognize the Word manifested in a human being. That is hard to do. Now, it's easier for us to say, oh, Billy Graham done this, and oh, Robert's done that, and Brother Brown done that, and A.A. Allen done that. But it's hard for you to see that you are the trees of righteousness, and you are the sons, and you are manifest in order in this hour, that you're the one that's being changed. You're the one that's Sarah in this hour. It's hard for people to look in the mirror and see themselves. It's hard to do, and we'll get to it just in a few minutes. Watch what he said. I don't know whether he is or not. Notice, this is the last sign. Now, if we believe the prophet, this is the last sign that we're going to see. Remember, thus saith the Lord. Did you ever hear me say that, that it was not true? You are seeing your last sign. I like what he put it. That's scriptural. Okay, now my wonder mine is, where is that in the scripture? Because if I can't find it in the Scripture, I can't see it out here in the natural. If I can't recognize what's going on in the natural, I'll never understand what's going on in the spiritual. Let me understand now. If I could explain to you the sodomite condition, and we could go through it and bring out everything, immorality, and all them, on and on and on we could go. You could look out here in the world and say, well, this is the same conditions in the world today as it was back then. But all you see is the natural conditions. But we'll read a quote in a few minutes, Brother Brown said, Now, if the natural condition is set, the spiritual condition is going on at the same time. So we've got to be able to see the spiritual fulfillment that's being fulfilled while the natural situation is here. There's a spiritual element underneath that that's acting out its role also. And the only part in that drama that I want to see myself is out here on the mountain having God appear to me and giving me the promise that I won't die, but I'm going to have a body change. Amen. Uh, you ought to know who you are by now. He said, you've seen your last sign. That's scriptural. You've seen your last sign, Pentecost. Okay, now what happens to me? My warning antenna goes up. Because the Pentecostal anointing is a twin 
to the anointing of God. Because both are anointed by the same Holy Spirit. Oh, you said, I can't understand that. The rain falls on the just and unjust. In other words, you're going to see the Holy Ghost fall up on all flesh. You'll see churches out here that grows about 10,000 strong. They got all these programs. They look wonderful and beautiful, as John said in Revelation, how beautiful she was. And Jesus said, those are false Christ and false anointed ones because you rejected the true sign. You rejected the true prophet, so I turn you over to a reprobate religious mind that you'll receive a Pentecostal message. And it's dead, he said. He said, now watch. Don't get mixed up now with what he promised Israel after the rapture. He said, see, that ain't you. It wasn't very good English, but that's what he said. You're done then. See, now is your day. Okay, what day is he talking about? From the Bible now. Has to be the day of vengeance of our God. If you were here last week and read the notes, you'll understand what man. As soon as this book was opened again, you'll find the same prophet. You find the same Spirit, which is the Spirit of God, that was upon Jesus. It's promised to come down and continue that prophetic ministry to the Gentiles. All right, follow real close. Watch. Now is your day. Now is your sign. Now is your time. Don't reject it. What must I do to be saved, Brother Gerg, in this hour? Don't reject the message of this hour. We're not talking about running to the altar and joining a church. We're not talking about fundamental religion. We're not talking about John 3.16, for God so loved the world. We're talking about the book of grace is over, God coming down here as judge. But He comes down with mercy. We'll separate that one day in mercy. Mercy is beyond grace. Mercy is something, uh, I stole the watch and he said I didn't. Come on. Because he comes down, he said, now I'm the judge. And I declare that you are the sinless, virtuous bride of Jesus Christ. You never done it in the first place. Whoa, wait, whoa, wait a minute, judge. Do you remember I done so? He said, that's in the sea of forgetfulness. My blood has wiped it out. There's no sin laid to your charge. But you've got to receive it. Are you following me? And you've got to give voice to it to confirm it into your own life. What if you say, well, I'm the righteousness of God. His Word is in me. I'm the Son of God. Now am I the Word in flesh. Well, what if I say that I'm not? What if you deny that and you are? I'd rather, if God can't see me, He only hears my voice through the blood. I'd rather for God to hear me say, I'm the righteousness of God through the shed blood. I have been saved by faith of Jesus Christ because he went to the cross, died for me, and believed that God would raise him from the dead for my justification. And I believe that God raised him from the dead, therefore I am saved. And I recognize today the voice and his sign 
Therefore, I am an elected son of God, set out here like Abraham, waiting for the appointed time for him to change my body. I'd rather be saying that than I don't know who I am, I don't believe what. Then you automatically place yourself down in Sodom for the burning. Remember the fourth chapter of Malachi, how it starts out? Behold the great and devil of the Lord. He comes, he's going to burn like an oven. He won't leave him neither root nor branch. He tells what he's going to destroy. But then, basically, in the days of the voice of the devil, when he begins to say, All right, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet, and the great and devil day, if they repent here, I'm going to deliver them from it. So there's only one thing left today. It's not joining the church. It's not Baptist, Methodist, or whatever more. Matter of fact, religion is dead. God has already put it on trial and said, it's thus saith the Lord, it's dead. There's no life in it, period. Well, Brother Gregory, them nice people, I'm not saying it about the people. I'm telling you what God has said. It's up to him what he said, but he said, I've already indicted this generation for the second crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the Word. Praise God. But you're not sitting out there. See, don't let a preacher preach you under condemnation that you're not elect. The more judgment is coming, the faster it's coming, the more you, faster you're going to get out of here. Amen. He said, now is your time. Now is your sign. You better come. You believe me to be God's servant. In other words, he said, remember. What he's talking about, remember. Remember the days of laws. So if the prophet said, we've seen our last sign, why is the people in the message now? Still looking for more signs to come. That's what I mean by what are you looking for. See, if you're looking for a sign to convince you, it's not coming. You and so-and-so had signs. They had a good service. They done cast out. That's fine. I can preach this morning. If you hear the words, devils will flee. Every time you open your mind to the Word of God. And you say, you know what, that's the Word of God. I believe that. There's one little devil, imp, that had to take his flight. Because the closer your mind comes in harmony with the Word of God, and listen, you can't do one thing about it except hear it, believe it, and receive it. That's all you can do about it. If you receive it, my Bible tells me that hearing the Word of God... That there is a spiritual metamorphosis program going on. I cannot explain it. But there's something that comes to my mind. I hear it. I believe it. I confess it. It gets in my spirit. It goes down to my soul. Once it hits my soul, it becomes a spirit. It becomes life to me. Because light has struck darkness. And darkness has to flee when a revelation of the word strikes your mind. There's salvation. You'll never be saved without hearing the Word of God for your hour and believing it. That's it. You say, well, I've got to overcome this. Well, I keep going off down this trail. The only way you'll overcome today, if you've seen your last sign, that we've, we're in the last message. There's not a new message coming. We're hearing it. It's the voice of God. It was thus saith the Lord. Therefore, the revelation of the message of this hour, God is here. Our confession that He's here will do something to your mind mentally. It'll do something with your spirit. It will absolutely transform your soul to light, and your body will begin to change. There is nothing that you do 
effort, what more, it is God's Word changing you. That's what He's here for, is to change your mortal body. All right. So people are still looking for signs. This has got to happen. That's got to happen. Uh, uh, this and this, so, so. And the last sign to the Gentile world has already transpired to Abraham before he destroyed Sodom by fire. We see that God Himself was there in the midst of His church, His elected, giving them a sign of discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart, showing Himself to be present, veiled in a human body. That's not easy to comprehend now. See, we're not preaching here thinking all this is easy to get because we'll look at it in just a few minutes how it's veiled. Brother Bram said, and who is this Melchizedek? And that's a good question. Now look at them down there in Sodom. And there is their messengers down there speaking to them. But then, where is that royal seed of Abraham? Let me ask you a question this morning, church. Who do you think you are? Do you think your bride? Say amen. You think that now are you the sons and daughters of God? Say amen. Do you believe that you are the righteousness of God? Say amen. Do you believe the Word of God is in you? Say amen. Do you believe that Word will ever fail you? No. What's it going to do? It's changing you. It's changing you. God's Spirit is here changing you from the inside out. Amen. He said, where is that royal seed of Abraham? I can say for my part, and I hope you can say too, a part of that group is sitting right here this morning. Because we come here because there's nowhere else to go that tells me that God is here in a human form. Now watch. If God wasn't here in a human form called a prophet, who do the preachers think they are to the people standing behind the pulpit? Oh, God couldn't come in a man. Then who do I think I am then? What's going on here? Who do the preachers think they are? If you don't realize it, when you stand here, you stand here as a channel and an instrument of God. And for a short period of time, for about an hour, you become the vessel and the responsibility of the Holy Ghost for God to speak to your heart, that you can speak back to Him with your amens out of the believing mind, and that God can instruct His church, correct His church, and change His church. And when I step forward and I say, Amen, I'm an empty vessel, just a man, just like anybody else. Not some pompous, whatever more, walking out here and thinking I'm the great power. No, there's no difference in none of us. God is our shepherd. He is our pastor. Why? Because the days of church anarchy is over. It's done. Watch that. As it was in the days of Sodom, that God came down and was manifested in human flesh. And told what Sarah was thinking back in her heart, in the tent behind him, the last sign before the Gentile world was destroyed by fire. Oh, you said, well, Brother Gregory, that was in 1965, and we're still floating along. Yeah, you know what, by? The grace and mercy of Almighty God. There must be somebody out here that he's waiting for. Now, I'm going to do my part this morning. If somebody's here that he's waiting for, we're going to preach the word and we're going to jerk you right out of the flames. 
You may go to heaven with smoke on your garment, but you're going to make it. That's thus saith the Lord. We're not going to leave you here and be destroyed with the wicked. You children are your parents' inheritance. It's time for us to shape up. Get this worldly spirit off of us. Time is short. We are elected or you wouldn't be sitting here this morning. Come on. You're either fulfilling a word of a make-believer or you're sitting here as a true believer, one or the other. And I sure don't want to be playing that little part. So Isaiah, we're going back to Isaiah. Watch, now, Brother Rand, I didn't finish the quote. And the church has got its last sign before the whole world is going to be destroyed. This Gentile kingdom to be destroyed by the fire and the wrath of Almighty God. Do you believe that? Yeah, I believe it. So now let's go back a little bit. Isaiah foretells of this end time presence in the end time. Watch very carefully. As a ministry of God Himself, as a messenger in the role or office of the judge. And He is here to proclaim the day. Now we know that's the day of vengeance. But Jesus only called it the day. The Bible calls it the day of vengeance, the day of wrath, the day of the Lord, the day, the day, the day. So we're in that period of time, the day. God is here dealing with one group of people. That is the Gentile bride. He's calling us. His patience has wore out. The day of grace of intercession of Jesus on the mercy seat, so to speak, that we believe in church is over. But the judge comes down. Now remember, the judge is the final absolute or the final say in the matter. The trial is going on. So he's here to understand that he's here as the day of vengeance. I remember last Sunday's lesson where the prophecy was that he was here, Spirit of the Lord, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, a combination so we understand that the Scripture now, well, listen, that is current, is always a problem to understand. People say, Brother Gary, I can't understand what you're saying. The reason why is because you are Scripture being fulfilled. And when the Scripture is being fulfilled in flesh, current, now, it's hard to be able to see and understand that you are fulfilling Scripture. Not a one of us wants to look in the Bible and say, Oh, I'm that great one right there. I'm that super, oh, I'm the super duper one. I'm that super church right here. Because when you look in the Word of God, all you'll see in the devil will put in your mind is condemnation. So therefore, you have to take what the Word tells you over what Satan's telling you. Remember, your carnal mind, your carnal body will never match what God sees in you. Are you following me? You will see yourself in one way. God will see yourself in another way. I only want to know how God sees me. Now, when we declare that He sees me as perfect, righteous, and holy, 
There's not a one of you out there that don't say in your mind, he's got a long way to go, brother. He's far from virtue. He's far from holy, whatever more. But that's what God says. Amen. The revelation for this hour, present tense, is hard to grasp for although it is being manifested in a visible form, what is transpiring in the spiritual form is hard to see. And the only way that you can see the invisible or spiritual taking place is by faith. Is by faith. That's the reason I put faith in the presence of God. Now here's a quote that Brother Ben said. Now the Bible said the Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. Discerns the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Now that sign of Sodom has returned in the natural. And if everything is setting just exactly positionally the way it's supposed to be in the natural, then how can you dismiss it from your mind that the spiritual isn't here at the same time? So preachers preach in the days of knowing the days of Sodom and they point out all this garbage going on. But if you think about it, Jesus said there'd be marrying, building houses, and this and that. Whatever. There's not a sin to know that. It's not a sin to build a house. It's not a sin to marry and have children, raise families. It's what everybody wants to do. And that's what will continue to happen as long as society goes on. They'd be marrying, they'd be building houses, there'd be families, there'd be people dying, they'd be on it'll just go on. That, that's not wrong. What Jesus is saying, these things are going on naturally, events are going on, but you're missing what's transpiring spiritually. See? And the church world is blinded. They can't tell you. So the only way that you're going to see it is God has to come down and reveal it to us. Watch. That's the spirit. But both sittings is on the scene. Everybody agrees the natural is right. But oh, in the spiritual, they don't want to believe it. Everybody listen say amen. Now he tells you why. Because it interferes with their doctrine. When you interfere with a man's doctrine, you're talking to a closed up mind. You try to convince a Trinitarian that you're not three gods or three persons in the Godhead, you might as well blow his brains out with a 45. Because he's not going to change his mind. You take a oneness, and he's not going to change his mind. No one can change their mind unless God, let's put it back this, unless there's something in the individual that come from God in the beginning. I call it a gene or a soul. If that soul that brought you into existence and you're sitting here this morning, that little germ of life that brought on a physical body, if that part did not come from God, then we're in trouble. But that little gene that you call a soul, if it come from God, you'll be sitting here and not one gene, not one part of God will ever be lost or destroyed. That part of you is going to say, praise God, that's nothing but the truth. And you won't have a clue why you understand it or why you agree with it. 
And you'll feed on it and feed on it until the daylight opens up and you understand what's going on. Watch now. It's because of their doctrine. And the doctrine is either oneness or trinity. He said Luke 17 is the sign. Now when someone tells us this clear, the scripture and what's going on, it should be almost impossible to miss it. Why would the church world now miss this? There's something wrong somewhere. They won't open their mind to hear because they've been indoctrinated with the wrong thing. Luke 17 is the sign. Luke 17 is a sign that Jesus said that in the last days, the nation and the churches and people would be just like it was in Sodom, the Gentile world, just before the burning up of Sodom. There would be a group of people look at, looking, just like Abraham, go back when Jesus said, as it was in the days of Sodom, go back and see what it was in Sodom. He read the same Bible we read. Now go back and look what it was. Here was an elected group called out, Abraham's group, they were looking for a promised son. Praise be to God. Ham is looking for the promised son. You know what the promised son is? The word manifested in your flesh. Making you a son of man, an amateur messiah, a little prophetess, so to speak. You are the anointed sons and daughters of Almighty God. Yes, sir. They were looking for a promised son. Watch, the Sodomites believed nothing about it. You can't go down there to these churches and preach this this morning. They would run you out on a rail and bet you put you in jail for saying the wrong thing. You know this sermon is not woke. I couldn't put this sermon on the Internet without being cut down. You can't say nothing negative against the work of Satan. Without it being rejected. Do you understand that there's a seed that's going to be rejected and hated and despised. And they're going to hunt down the believers and kill every one of us. You say, well, that's not, that's not good news. Yeah, the good news is they're not going to be able to find you. Because God hides us in a pavilion. He sets us up on a rock. He hides us in a covering that they can't see who you are. We walk right through the middle of the crowd and they couldn't see him. Praise be to God. Most well. And that will be the sign. Those angels coming down, each one of them, uh, watch their signs, what they showed them. And that will be the sign, and the voice of the sign will be Malachi 4. The voice of the sign will be Malachi 4. What is Malachi 4? It is God coming as a prophet. If we can't just, just move the man out of the picture. You can move Jesus out of the picture. You can move Paul out. It's God. There's only one actor in here that you've got to watch. It is God in the beginning. It is God through the prophets. It's God in Jesus. It's God in Paul. It's God in Martin. It's God in Luther. It's God in Wesley. It's God in Brother Ben. It is God. The Holy Spirit is God, and He is the Word, and He is His own prophet. Praise be to God. All right. Now then, he said, watch, look at the sign in Sodom. God manifested in human beings. 
Now, you can say, well, there's three men, and both of them was angels, and one of them was God. How does that fit today? Look, church, if we was halfway Pentecostal, which we're not, we'd be screaming around out here and shooting basketball hoops from the front court by now. Because what? What the Bible is telling you, that you are the elected, predestinated seed of Almighty God, and God is here. He's taking your garment of mourning all and putting on prayer. He's absolutely transformed you. There's nothing in that statement in the day of vengeance which is detrimental to the servants of God. It was all to our good. And we'll see that in just in a minute. God manifested. Where is your wife, Sarah? One more. So we can see by these scriptures and have some level of hindsight. And understand what happened to a certain level. But when it comes to the word being fulfilled. And we being the visible or visible characters in the drama. Where there is no hindsight. People think they're looking at. Well I can remember Brother Bram done back in 1950. That's not hindsight at all. If one day is a thousand years. 20 years is about 30 minutes of silence. In God's time, in this hour, there's no hindsight. There's no foresight. There's no foresight. Why? Because we're at the end. There's no more coming. Then the only thing left is sight. I once was blind, but now I see. I have heard. Church, the only way you're ever going to get sight is by hearing the Word. And it has to be Word that is present tense because that's the only Word that has any life in it. And it's got to be light before it can become life. Therefore, if you never see the Word being fulfilled, which is light, you can never express the life of the Word that you're hearing. What I'm telling you is this. We'll sit and listen. God is doing something. We haven't arrived yet. But when the dynamics of God being present here in human flesh finally strikes our soul, these bodies will be changed, immortal, it will be such a supernatural experience that you cannot explain it. Your eyes will be open and you'll see the sleeping saints walking right here among you. It is more glorious and more wonderful than any Pentecostal jubilee you've ever heard in your life. Praise be to God. When Brother Bam talks in token, well, it's the life, it's the life, it's life. Everybody going right back to rules and laws and uh, legalism to try to produce the life. The only life you will ever manifest is when your mind opens to the Word. And you got enough grace in a preacher to repeat it for you over and over and over until the mind really receives it. If there's any instruction obedience in there, you obey what it says. Believing that the Word will have its final product, and it will, and it will come forth manifesting a life. 
Who really understood? I'm not going to get to my, all my notes this morning. But who really understood when Jesus picked up the book in Luke chapter 4, verse 16, he began to read the book from Isaiah 61. How many sitting there, including his disciples, understood who Jesus was? Actually, no one understood Jesus was a Messiah. And basically, no one knew what was going on. You say, well, what about John the Baptist? Well, John the Baptist, we see he was standing there under the anointing. And he said, behold, there's one among us whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose. And we understand that he sees Jesus coming towards the, the water. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Now, my question to you is, who said that? Yeah, who said that? Oh, you say, John said that. No, the Holy Spirit is what said that. Have you understood what I'm saying now? The Holy Spirit, through John, said that, that's the Lamb of the world. Hear ye him. John went ahead and kept preaching, took his disciples with him. And we find out in Matthew 11, 1 to 6, that John the Baptist, after a while, he kept on preaching, repentant, repentance. Then he got thrown in jail because he made the kings mad over another woman. His daughter danced for him and asked for the head of John. While in prison, John said to his two disciples, if you read it there, he said, I tell you what, you, you go and ask this Jesus now. Uh, art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Now, here's the same man that said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He was the messenger. Jesus said there was not a man born a woman as great as John. And now John was saying, uh, Go ask him, is he the one that I said that was the one? The Word being manifest in flesh is hard for people to grasp. What about Peter? He was given the keys. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And upon this rock I'll build my church, Peter. Glory to God. I'm the man. Praise God. I got the keys. What was the next day or two? Ah, I believe you're the one that follows the Jesus. Who, me? Didn't I see you walking with Jesus? Oh, not me. Praise God. I don't know the man. Praise God. Oh, forget it. Glory to God. You're going to skin my hide. I'm not. Oh, I don't know him. Oh, yes, you do. And he cursed a little bit and said, no, I don't know the guy. I think he had a little trouble <laughs> seeing the word fulfilled in flesh. He couldn't even see himself who he was. That's our problem right there. So how many had trouble seeing the Messiah when even Peter and John then the rest of the disciples, they doubted even when he was raised from the dead. They even doubted that he was raised. Oh, everybody heard the sermon, two walking, walking, walking the road to Emmaus. And here Jesus appeared. Now, here's one that they just eat with the day before that. He just got through dying. wasn't in the grave for less than 72 hours. And here's the same one now. It come along and appeared to him. He just... Oh, hadn't you heard of that man, Jesus? He died one more. We thought he was a prophet. We thought he was this and he thought he was that. And they walked all day with Jesus now. 
until he sat down and broke the bread. And he opened their eyes so they can see who he was. And then he was gone. Oh, then they got excited. They run to tell him who Jesus was. So we think that we can't see things clearly. I haven't found anyone in the Scripture that didn't have trouble seeing the Word fulfilled in this hour. So whatever word that is allotted for this hour is going to be hard to be understood. We could all look back and see more clearly. And if we had a lot of hindsight, we could understand what we're supposed to be doing, who we are today. If we had some foresight, we could tell what, how we're progressing and where we're at in the process. But now we're in the present sight. You and I are fulfilling this word in flesh. Every one of us is acting out a role. And especially this hour when there is no foresight. There's not a one of us can look down the road and tell you what you're going to do, what's going to happen, what's going. Now we know there's supposed to be a rapture. We know that group that's living will be changed. We know there's going to be a marriage supper. We know they're supposed to meet Jesus in the air. There's certain events that we know the Scripture tells us. But when you get right down to it, we basically don't have a clue what's down the road from us. Except by what? Faith. Except by hearing. We have not arrived People in the message think they have arrived because they recognize that God sent a prophet. Now, when I say God sent a prophet, in other words, God come on the scene and he picked a mouthpiece to speak through. We are in the process of arriving. You can go to Ephesians chapter 2 and it tells you. We're in the hour to be rejected. We're in the hour of a falling away. When the hour when the Bible said there are going to be scoffers of the presence, the perusia of Christ, where is the promise of what you're talking about? The reason why is we're still influenced by a Pentecostal anointing. And the Pentecostal anointing is so blended with a portion of the Scriptures for this hour, even after the prophet has told us that the Pentecostal age is over, and he told us there was no life in the shuck anymore, we still have a hard time seeing that we have seen our last sign. The Pentecostal age in your mind has to die. You're here in a unique period. And I believe we're here under the mercy of Almighty God. Because I can examine myself and I can see you and I can preach. 
We can look at the conduct. We can look at the understanding. We can listen to the ministry of the Word. And where the Scripture says we ought to be, we can see that we're not there. The holiness is not there. And the holiness will only come by the divine revelation that you're in the presence of God. And that this message was God's own word to us. And not one word will fail. Therefore, when you turn down this prophet, which is the Holy Ghost himself, according to Acts 3, and I give you the scriptures, every soul shall be cut off that will not hear that prophet. And those scriptures have been fulfilled in our hearing. So Luke 17 tells us in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. And here we see that the voice of the sign would be the spirit of Elijah fulfilling Malachi 4, 5, and 6. So we see a promise of the continuation of the prophet's ministry. And the prophet is the spirit of God himself. God in His Word, and the Word comes to a God-ordained man and anoints him under the role of a prophet. Now we come back to teaching, and I know it's going to take too long to get you there, but just sum it up just a little bit. Look at your notes. Last week we looked at uh, basically Isaiah 61, where it tells us that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings. Unto the meek he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, and opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And we show that Jesus, when he read that book in he, uh, Luke chapter 4, that when he come to, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, that Jesus now closed the book and he sat down. The Spirit of the Lord was upon Jesus to preach that portion of Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61 continues and proclaim the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn and to appoint unto them mourning Zion to give unto them beautiful ashes what more. And we know the second half, that day of vengeance, is not to the Jews but to the Gentiles. But Isaiah prophesies that this same one that preached the acceptable year of the Lord, and we know that it was in the man Jesus 2,000 years ago, that same one is to continue the prophetic ministry to the Gentiles to finish up this prophecy. I don't have time to bring it down to Scripture. Read the notes. So what I'm trying to show you in the Scripture is this. Isaiah prophesies that the same Spirit of God that was upon Jesus who come as son of man, prophet. And Jesus fulfilled the role of the prophet until that, like I said, that last 72 hours when, when he become the lamb, died, and God raised it from the dead, and then he become high priest. That the Spirit of God fulfilled that scripture in human flesh called Jesus the man. That same Spirit of God is prophesied to preach the day of vengeance of our God and do something for the Gentile bride. The same one that preached to Israel is the same one that preaches to the Gentiles. Now, we know that Jesus, the man, is not here. He sits on the Father's throne in heaven. Therefore, we know that Jesus was right. It's not him that done the works. It was the Father in him doing the works. 
The words that I speak unto you is not me, it's Him. When you see me, you see the Father. I'm in Him, and Him and me, what and more. The Spirit of God was what doing it. So the Spirit of God was the prophet. And He is the prophet. So when Jesus read the first half of that verse, He was telling the Jews. I'll just try to put it in words. You can read notes. He was telling the Jews that He was Deuteronomy 18. That He was that prophet called out from among the brethren. And I put it in your notes. Therefore, uh, to, that you had to hear that prophet, or in that day you'd be cut off. When Jesus closed the book and preached, except we hear the Lord, grace was extended to Israel who was under the law. But we know by hindsight they rejected grace and basically killed the Messiah. Therefore, they were shut off. That same one that preached to Israel is prophesied to preach the day of vengeance of our God. And we know that verse 3 of Isaiah 61 is absolutely preaching to the Gentiles. But the same one that preached 2,000 years ago is the very same one that continues that prophetic ministry in an end-time man that we call Revelation 10, 7, which is the church age messenger, fulfilling the prophetic role of Malachi 4, Elijah doing that work. Because remember, God is basically the spirit of Elijah. And Elijah has five continuing ministries. We saw number four. Number five comes to Elijah to 144,000 Jews. That same God, that same prophet that was in Jesus, that same one is here preaching to the Gentiles. Because if you read Acts 3, 19, watch what it says. Repent you therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. There's coming a time of the perusia of Christ, the presence. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which, was, which before was preached unto you. That's Jesus Christ of Hebrews 13, 8. Who preached it to him? Jesus, the man, preached Jesus Christ. He manifested God in human flesh. That same Jesus Christ. The same yesterday, day, and forever. That same pillar of fire that was in a burning bush. We went through all those appearances. That same pillar of fire is promised right here in Scripture to come at this end time to preach the day of vengeance to a Gentile group, to call us out, put us on trial. His mercy endureth forever. He shows mercy to whom he has shown mercy. He sets us over here and says, you never done it. My mercy is to you. I'm here to judge the world. So what you're looking at, you're looking at a continuation ministry of Almighty God, one to the Jews and one to the Gentiles, and the days of the Son of Man is now over. Now then we're in this period of time where the product of why He is here must come forth in our flesh. We've told you who is here. 
Why is he here? You say, Brother Gregory, we've always been God's here. I'm not talking about church world thinking God is all ever present. I'm talking about God in the unique role of a pillar of fire. A ministry. A prophetic ministry which only God himself can do. So this same spirit is here. Not Jesus and his body. But the Jesus, Jehovah Savior. One more time, I can't say musicians come, but yeah, I guess we can. When I say Jesus, nine out of ten times, I'm not talking about Jesus the man now. That was given the name Jesus. They didn't say he was Jesus. His name shall be called Jesus. Why? Because he will be Emmanuel, God with us. And God showed up at 30 years age of his baptism. And God manifested through this man 1,260 days or the first half of Daniel's 70th week. That same God is promised to also fulfill the last half of Daniel's 70th week under Elijah to two prophets of Israel. That's the reason they're in the homeland. But Jesus said when you see Israel become a nation, remember now, that God or Israel as a nation is a sign that I am there in a role of prophet to preach the day of vengeance of my God to the Gentiles. Watch. And it shall come to pass that heaven must receive him until the restitution of all things which God has spoken by his mouth of a holy prophet since the world began. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up among you like unto him. Him shall you hear in all things whatsoever you shall say. Now that's Luke 4, 16. Jesus said, I'm that prophet. But here this same prophet comes back, and it shall come to pass. That's 2,000 years later, when this book was opened in 1963 to us, the judge himself come down, God did, in a prophetic ministry with this open book to declare the day of vengeance of our God. In other words, to finish up and avenge the Gentile church to bring her to immortality and take her in the rapture. Before the first atomic bomb hits America. And the way that we're doing now, praise God, we don't need a bomb. They're transporting in millions of soldiers right now from these communist nations. Putting them here and putting them there by the thousands. We don't know where they're going. But why would a country want to receive almost a million men from 16 to 25 years of age into their country and not know what they're there for or where they're going? We have a spirit now in this nation. Where the day of vengeance is coming to a close for the Gentile. God is going to bring his perfection in our bodies. He's going to take us out of here. We've already had our sign. We've heard our voice. And surely we've recognized our day in this message. My question is you to you young people, to old people alike. The only thing I can see in the scripture it's the judgment has not struck the land. But the judge is here. The indictment has already went forth. 
The church has already been trial, on trial and found guilty of the second crucifixion of the Word of God. The only thing that's left is the carrying out of the sentence. Fire will fall on America. Because we are Sodom, Canada is Gomorrah, and we're going to be destroyed by fire. But the elect that recognized their sign, heard their voice. The women heard, let their hair grow, put on some clothes, covered up their bodies. Because that spirit said, sisters, your body is holy only unto your husband. Keep your bodies covered. That's very simple, isn't it? Put on some clothes. That's not a hard message. Quit cutting your hair so you can understand what's going on. Oh, that's legal. That's not legal. That's what God said He wanted us to be. I'm going to close. We got a message that when anybody sees us anywhere around, they should know by looking at us and the atmosphere that we carry, they should know that they go to New Beginnings Church in Ozark, Missouri. You say, well, how are they going to know that? When this revelation comes and manifests itself in the flesh, and we're written epistles read of all men, the women will be women, the men will be men, the atmosphere and the anointing will be upon us. If they ask us a question, we will give them the word because we're intercessors. Come before it's too late. We're not beating the streets and whatever more trying to come in. And I give you the scripture in Isaiah 42. It says almost exactly the same thing in Isaiah 61, but it says he will not go through the streets and cry and moan what more, and Jesus done all of it. We're talking about a Gentile ministry of God himself that's already been manifested among us, and now we're in the day of the revealing. What's going on? God is showing us and revealing to us what he's already done and that we are the main actors in the drama. Amen. Let's pray this morning, would you, Father? We took a long time this morning, covered a many thought. And we understand and confess, and we have confessed before this people, that seeing Scripture fulfilled in the now, being fulfilled in our flesh, is hard to see because it's veiled by our own carnal minds. That we think maybe we may be too righteous if we judge ourselves as elect. But you said the evidence of being sons and daughters of God was recognizing our sign of the age and hearing the voice of the age. And we have people this morning here, Lord, that has accepted that. Now we're here sitting and listening, knowing that you will climax this time, that there is no tribulation assigned to us, there's no judgment in the Scripture for us. Even though they preach that the church must go through seven years, the church will not go through the tribulation, Father. Because you promised a promised son, a change of our bodies. Now we confess that we know that you're here. And Jesus told us that whatever we asked you in this hour, in his name, you would give it to us. So I ask in the name of Jesus that by your spirit that you would open the minds and the hearts of every hearer here this morning and those online 
and around the world that are listening. May we recognize the present tense reality of your presence and your transforming power of the Word of God that you're here to bring us forth as trees of righteousness, never to be cut down again, Lord. You'll never cut off your grace from the Gentiles again. We see this promised hour. We see your scripture prophesy, and we see you now here fulfilling it. Open our understanding and our mind to this spirit of wisdom that we may know who you are and who we are and become written epistles read of all men. May the convicting power of your presence draw every person that is not a believer this morning. Lord, we, we don't give an altar call because you said that was pagan. But we open the invitation to those that will receive and believe in their heart that God has raised the body of Jesus up from the grave and is sitting on high as our mediator. We believe that, Father, and we accept the grace of Jesus Christ as our salvation. Therefore, in the presence of Almighty God, we confess our need for you, and we confess our need for revelation, and we ask you to finish the work, and may the dynamics of this word come forth in our flesh. For we thank you for these things through Jesus Christ our Lord. And everybody said, Amen. I don't know what to sing, or have, I don't know whether I can carry a tune or not. So let's stand this morning, would you? <clears throat> I kindly messed up a good lesson there, but you can read it. But what I tried to do is show you that there was a continuation ministry of Jesus 2,000 years ago. That same God prophet that manifested himself in the person of Jesus, that same God is here now, manifested himself through the same ministry, and is here now in the process of taking those sons and transforming them into immortal beings. That process of perfection is what we're looking at. And it will come forth by a five-fold ministry, bringing to your minds over and over certain scriptures. And I think about 10 or 12 scriptures will almost cover everything that we need to see to be a part of this end-time ministry. It's hard to see yourself that you're fulfilling something. And this morning, we're either the seed of Abraham set aside, or we're a part of the Sodomite world that's going to be destroyed. There's no in-betweens. There's no middle. You accept God in this hour by His Word, and everyone that does not hear that prophet, which is God Himself in this day, which is the word, shall be cut off among the people. That's where we're at today. That's the reason the Abraham seed is interceding for those that we know is missing a step. It's time for us to shape ourselves up if we can. We used to be able to shake ourselves, pray and fast a little bit, and get back in step. I'm wondering if we can even get in step anymore. Because without the help of God Himself showing us mercy, we're not going to come to that perfection. But I'm confessing that this Word will bring me and will bring you to the state of perfection in His presence that will take us out of here because the resurrection and the change of our body is imminent. 
And when I say imminent, it could be tomorrow, it could be in six months, it could be in a year. But it is that close at hand that there's no future for us. We only understand there's only 1,260 days to Israel. While the Gentile nations are in war and chaos, famine, and being trying to bail out the Catholic Church and all those things the Bible teaches, it would be living hell on earth. I like the day of vengeance. I like for God the judge to be here. Because without him, we're all going to miss it. Amen. So how can you deny that God is here when it takes God being here to take you out of here? But that Pentecostal anointing, Matthew 24, 24, that's what Jesus warned us of. And it's what? It's that twin Pentecostal anointing on the end time people. And they can't seem to separate what's right and what's wrong. Doctrine is the only thing that will separate light from darkness. Amen. So, what are we going to sing, brother? My God is real. Okay. How many believes God is real? How many is here this morning that would desire the one that is here to speak to our hearts and do something for us in this hour? I want to ask God for His mercy. You say, well, I want His blessings. I want His mercy. Because if I can get His mercy, His blessings will surely come. Amen. I don't ask God for nothing outside of revelation and mercy and grace. And Lord, reveal that Word to me more and more. Because the more I see the Word, the more I see myself. Because you and this Word is one that is hard to grasp I'd be the first one to admit that but we will grasp it it is true and the seed will produce what is ordained to produce amen so God bless you this morning what was it? my God is real he's real in my soul my God is real for I can feel and made me whole. His love for me is like the gold. Think about it now. My God is real for I can feel him in my soul. Let me believe he's down here in your soul this morning. My God is real. He's just as real He's as you'll real let him be. in my soul. My God is real, for I has washed and made me whole. His love for me is like pure gold. My God is real, for I can feel. Him in my soul. Turn right and look at somebody and say, My God is real. Well, you're looking He's at me, aren't you? In my soul. My God is real, for He has washed and made me whole. His 
love for me is like pure gold. Can I hear a praise the Lord this My morning? My God is real for me I can feel him in my soul. Well, my God is real. He's real in my soul. My God is real for he has washed and made me whole. Oh, think about it. His love for me is like pure gold. My God is real for I can feel him in my soul. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for your patience this morning. And just think, next week will be the last sermon. You'll hear me preach for quite some time. And I don't want to hear any amens for that. Amen. But we need your prayer, and we've got to face a situation that is just one of those tests we've got to go through, and we will come through it. But I am a firm believer that this Word is true, that God the Word is here. He's made Himself known to us. He has separated us out here in a small group, and He has promised us that His mercy would endure forever. We are not going into the judgments, period, of God. We are the righteousness of God. That's our confession. How many believe that? I was preaching to a group last night in my sleep, and boy, we had a big crowd, and everybody was in harmony. And I was saying something, and everybody was repeating it. We had a bunch of Pentecostals there, I think. But, boy, we was having a good time, and I was enjoying it, and they were enjoying it, and then I woke up. Amen. One of these days on the other side will be one voice, and we'll be rejoicing together. Amen. I pray when the Word of God, God Himself, becomes so in our flesh that we will worship Him in spirit and in truth, that anointing will be a revelation in our hearts, and He will transform us, and basically what little hindsight we have, we can say, boy, I was once like that, but this morning I woke up a different individual. I would like to wake up before surgery date and be completely whole. Amen. Amen. I would like to look in the mirror. Abraham walked up. I would, Abraham woke up, 90 years old, 99 years old, looked in maybe a little mirror he had, and he didn't have a wrinkle one. Now, he could not tell you how he come a young man. He was transformed while they were asleep. And he was transformed back to his youth. And they produced the child. Sarah got beautiful. Man, wouldn't it be nice again, being 80 years old, being back 25 or 30? Man, Patricia would really have a good time. Amen. I don't mean that disrespectful either. But it'd be wonderful being in youth again. That's our promise. That's what this message, God is here to the Gentiles. That's exactly what he's here to do. And he will not fail you. So I'm asking you this morning. We don't believe you can come to an altar. We don't have to come to an altar. But you've got to have something in your mind. Repent means change your mind. Take your mind and direct it to the Word of God. 
Open it to the Word and let the Word do something for you. Remember, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your house shall be saved. It's just that simple. There should not be one person miss this great message of this hour. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for your patience this morning, your singing. And we'll see you next Sunday morning. But be in prayer about what we might have to do for a period of weeks afterward, whether you want to try to get men in every service or tapes. It's going to be hard to get some men in for every service for that many uh, weeks in a row, so we may have to play a tape. Now, what we don't want to do is all of a sudden everybody stay home and we get scattered and the church dissolves because we're not over that. We're not over yet. We're not at that perfection yet. We're on, the, we're on the track. We're in the right scripture. We're in the right time. It's working on us. But we hadn't come to that perfection that we're talking about yet. But we're in the process, and we will arrive. Amen? So God bless you. Thank Canada for being online this morning. It was good to see them once again. And pretty soon we'll have our new equipment, and we'll be able to see them very clear, and they'll be able to be in service. So God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday, if the Lord permits. Amen. You can be dismissed this morning.